Welcome to the Finding a Job Podcast, a Ben J. Schaap LLC production. In this podcast, we share the stories of world-class business leaders as they discuss their professional journeys, job search strategies, and tactics that have led them to career success. If you're looking to find a fulfilling, well-paying career path, this podcast will unearth the tools and tips you need to expedite your learning curve and avoid common roadblocks that face people entering the working world. Now here's the host of the Finding a Job podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the Finding a Job podcast. Today we're going to talk about a non-traditional career path of a business professional to help you understand what direction you can take your career. Joining us is Sarah Gross, who's the head of influencer marketing at Mute6, which is a one-stop creative marketing and video production agency providing intelligent ad solutions to grow challenger brands and enterprise market leaders across the world. Sarah overcame adversity and a fight with her school's administration to launch a successful career in marketing. And today she's going to tell us how she stuck it to the man and landed on her feet in a marketing career. Okay, here's my conversation with Sarah Gross, head of influencer marketing at Mute6. Sarah, welcome to the Finding a Job podcast. Thanks for having me, Ben. I'm super stoked to be here. I'm psyched to have you here. When your email came in saying you're interested in being a guest on the show, I read the bio and you sent me an article about how you got in a fight with the school administration. And the next thing you know, you've got this great career in influencer marketing. There's a ton for us to talk about. Let's start off and talk about what your college experience was like. It wasn't all smooth sailing. What the hell happened? <laughs> yeah, definitely not smooth sailing. I guess when I started, it was fun. When I was a freshman in college, I was really excited. I went to Syracuse University in upstate New York. I was a dual major in business and IT. I was doing probably way too much. I was joining every single club on campus. I was in a sorority. I joined the entrepreneurship club, which was pretty influential in my college experience. And so when I was a freshman, I was doing all these things. My second semester, I was like, okay, hold on. I'm doing way too much. There are some things that I'm doing that I don't actually want to focus on in my career. So let's trim the fat. Let's see what I'm really interested in. And it turned out to be that I wanted to focus on my IT education. But I also wanted to have a touch of entrepreneurship in my college experience. And so that's where I hung on to the entrepreneurship club. And so I became a bit of a disruptor on campus when I really took leadership within the entrepreneurship club. I was elected president for two years straight. And then my second year, I decided, you know, I think this is really impressive what I'm doing on campus. I grew the club to over 500 student members, which is pretty unheard of on campus when in the past there was maybe like 20 members who ever showed up ever. So growing it to 500, I saw that there's something special about what I was doing on campus. I really wanted to push it. I didn't have a lot of support from the faculty and administration. So I'm sure we're going to get into that a little bit later. But I ended up eventually dropping out of school, moving across the country to LA and accepting what was at that point my dream job. So you're in college, you're in a bunch of different groups, you decide to pare down what you were doing and focus on what you thought was important. It sounds like you were the ideal student, right? You're you're growing a club for the university, you're getting interest, you're getting engagement, assuming your grades were pretty good. 
at the time, in the, in the beginning. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, hey, look, I put it this way. I don't put my GPA on my resume. Not everybody gets straight A's. We can all still have great careers. It sounds like things were going smooth sailing. You're doing great. What caused you to step away from school? I know that there was a little bit of a battle with the administration. Walk us through what happened. Yeah, so also what happened my freshman year, my spring semester, I got an email from a company looking for brand ambassadors on campus. And that's how I got my entrepreneurial bug. That's how I got the bug of like, okay, tech is my thing. I love working with startups. And so I ended up becoming a brand ambassador for this company. I did really, really well for them. And they started to kind of like plant seeds and saying like, hey, you're really good at this. Like you're really good at giving us feedback. You're really good at communicating. And so when I started realizing that myself, I'm like, okay, I could either be doing this or I could be learning how to do other things that might not actually apply to what I want to do with my career. So I started shifting my hours in class and kind of taking it and staying home in my apartment and watching a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of like very practical how to do marketing online. And that turned into my curriculum. And so what actually got me in trouble with the administration was I fell in love with this company. It was a marketing agency out in LA and they were looking for interns. And I said, why not? Why can't that be me? There's no reason why I'm not qualified. I'm going to go for it. And so I ended up getting in touch with the CEO. It turned out that they weren't looking for interns at the time but they were looking for a full-time employee. And so the contingency there was they'd give me a full shot. They're going to go through the entire interview process. But if I accepted the job, I'd have to drop out of school and move across the country. And so I just had that mindset throughout the, my entire junior year of like, okay, this is what it's leading up to. I'm going to drop out of school and they're going to give me this job. And so by the end of my junior year, I needed to make things happen. And so what I did was I found a tool that would help me collect all of the university email addresses. So everyone with an syr.edu email address, I had a list of. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to throw a celebration for all the student entrepreneurs on campus, celebrating all the success that we've had for the past few years through the club, and then also use it as kind of like a goodbye party. And so what I did was I sent out an email to all of these Syracuse email addresses, had a really, really funny subject line to just get people to open up the message. I knew that if I just said, hey, it's an entrepreneurship club event, no one would really care. But if I said like, hey, I lost my keys on Main Street, did you see them? Maybe a few more eyeballs would open it up. And so I got a really high click rate. People were opening the emails. And when they were opening the email, it was just a flyer for this event that I was throwing. And so unfortunately, it went right to the dean of the business school the next day. (laughs) Yeah, whoops. (laughs) Uh, They called me the following day asking, you know, like, what's going on? And they told me, hey, where is this email list coming from? Who asked you to do this? Who gave you permission? And the reality was, is it was a school that had really outdated rules. It had really outdated policies. And they really weren't this forward thinking. And so when I said, no one told me to do this. I came up with it myself. I'm trying to like move and shake the club. What's wrong? They couldn't give me a great answer. And so what they decided to do instead was immediately kick me out of the entrepreneurship club. They postponed this event that I was working pretty hard on. We had a few thousand dollars of 
sponsorships. We had a few national brands backing up the event. And so with that, I actually created a LinkedIn post explaining what was going on, why I was upset. And I tagged everyone who I could. I tagged the dean, I tagged the assistant dean, I tagged the head of like student programming, everyone who I could who was involved in this decision making. I made it public. It was kind of like a letter that I didn't have the opportunity to share anywhere else. And then I sent the exact same email list, another email saying, hey, don't show up to the event. It's postponed. Also, I'm being kicked out of the entrepreneurship club without a great explanation why. And my email signature, it was just my LinkedIn where they could see more information. And so that post went absolutely viral. I had alumni reach out to me. I had school donors reaching out to me asking like, hey, where should they put the donation for that year? It was, it was nuts. But the, the most important person who ended up seeing this post of mine was the CEO of this company that I was trying to get a job for. And that same exact day, the CEO called me and he said, hey, I saw this crazy LinkedIn post and is it true and what's going on? Because they had no clue. And so they saw that my passion was literally being ripped away from me. There's nothing I could do to get my position back within the club. It's something that I built into. And so instead, they offered me a full-time job the same exact day. And I dropped out of school, moved across the country, and really started my professional career. So would you say the term rebel, badass, <laughs> or renegade best describes you? I, lo I love badass. Why not? Badass? I, why not all three? Badass. Okay, badass. <laughs> now, look... I'm going to play the flip side of the coin, too, where I'm going to be the stodgy old guy. People listening to this, don't do this. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, I, Sarah, this worked out well, and you are a very talented marketer. You know, I think that the reason, not to take the university's side, but the reason why a university would be upset about this is you're creating your own distribution list and emailing people and potentially being misleading with the subject title, and they just don't want everybody to be able to email the entire university. Now, what you did that was interesting and very creative was, A, have the ability to create the list by yourself. That's difficult. And there are companies that pay a lot of money for targeted list building. And then the, the marketing campaign was creative. Did you find my keys as a title? And I'm sure that the event would have been well attended. I think that the school probably felt that it was misleading and abuse of, you know, access to the rest of the university students. So, like, as an impartial person, I kind of see why you'd be pissed. Hey, if the rules aren't clear, then you should be able to do whatever you want. On the flip side, they don't want students emailing everybody in the university. All of a sudden, it's pandemonium. That said, looking back, you decided to leave your college career to start working relatively early on. How did you feel not graduating from college affected you professionally? That's a great question. So when I was at school, in my freshman and sophomore year, I had a really fun time going to a lot of social events and tailgates and parties. Yeah, parties. And especially at the time, Syracuse was known as the number one party school. And there's a lot of fun. But at the end of my sophomore year to my junior year, I kind of started to notice myself like distancing myself from the parties and like all the happenings. And what I really wanted to do is just like apply learning to my actual career. And so that made the transition a lot easier. Also, just knowing what to expect 
as soon as I dropped out, like I had a flight to California. I had a place to stay. I knew when my start date was. Everything was figured out. I didn't just drop out of school to drop out. I dropped out to accomplish something. And so that just made the transition over from a college student to a professional a lot easier and a lot more clear because I had a goal and something to accomplish. So the list of college dropouts who were incredibly successful is distinguished. Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Sarah Gross. You know, obviously, some people have left college and been vastly, incredibly successful. There are lots of people that dropped out of college that were also struggling after dropping out of college and had a hard time finding a job and establishing credibility. You've obviously been successful and established a career for you. Did you realize the risk of what you were doing when you left college? Oh, totally. And actually, my biggest fear was I'm technically an uneducator, like I didn't have a full education. And so if anything happened where I lose this job, like, what's my next step? I don't have a piece of paper saying like, I have all these credentials. I don't have a network out in California across the country where I just moved. And it just so happened that four months after I got this job, they fired me. And so I was in that exact predicament saying like, what the hell am I doing? And so again, I had to think quick on my feet and figure out what my next move. I had about a month left of rent saved up. And, and I mean, like, before that, I blew all my money just moving out across the country. So I had a, just a few weeks to find a new job. And thankfully, I had a few tactics that really helped. And I'd love to go over them. So the worst case scenario happens, you leave school, your term was undereducated, I would say that your education was incomplete, you decided not to finish it. Obviously, you're a very smart person, you had the capability of graduating from college. But your job dries up after four months. What do you do next? How'd you land a gig quickly? So at the same time, when I was transitioning into this position, I relied a lot on LinkedIn to build a community, build some support, and then also share my thought leadership in what I thought I was doing interesting. There was a lot of, again, like taking the list of university emails. It's something that's been done before. But the information on how to do it wasn't a publicly available. So I started creating a lot of content on LinkedIn. And so when I didn't have this job anymore and I was fired, what I did was I went to my LinkedIn and I sorted all my contacts and I sorted them based off of location. So I wanted to see everyone who I knew on LinkedIn who's a professional in Los Angeles so I can grab coffee with them and just see who they know to help me out. So that was a networking strategy. Right, exactly. And then I went a little bit further and I said, okay, what industries am I interested in? Well, tech. And so literally the first person on my list, I reached out to, and I, I didn't know him personally, I just happened to be connected with them. Uh, and I said, hey, it just so happened that I saw on your profile, it says you're hiring, like, are you hiring for a marketing position? I'd love to go in an interview. And that exact person ended up hiring me a week later. So this all is happening absurdly quickly. Just to preface this, if you're out in the working world and you're looking for a job, the expectation to find one in a week is not something that's normal. Oh, totally not. <laughs> right. Like it takes three to six months to find a job that you have to interview and vet. So for everyone that's listening, I would not set the expectation of if you hustle, you can find a job in a week. It can be done. It should not be expected. On the flip side, Sarah, you send a couple LinkedIn posts, you end up getting hired a week later. What was the role? What'd you end up doing? So I was in a marketing position. I uh, doing more of like demand gen for a company 
that worked with a lot of Shopify companies. And what they did was they turned these websites into mobile apps. And so I was working with a lot of like different e-commerce brands. I was working with a lot of CEOs, CMOs. And then I was, again, on LinkedIn, finding opportunities for this company to take. Okay, so demand gen, meaning you're finding customers, and the company was for Shopify companies, so e-commerce companies that are selling physical products or subscriptions, and they're moving their websites to be mobile apps. So you're basically finding customers for e-commerce companies. Sort of, kind of. So like, let's say a great example is a brand that we all know is Fashion Nova, right? It's a huge e-commerce brand. Maybe you know Chubby's. Am, am I old? I don't know Fashion Nova. Maybe, okay, maybe Macy's. Macy's. I know, is, I know Chubby's. <laughs> so they have an e-commerce, they have a website, you can buy things. So what this company did was they said, okay, you have a, a website. What if you could just take the website and take the similar format and just make a mobile app instead of a mobile website, turn it into an app they can download on the app store. You can send them push notifications. And so that's what we did. They found a really easy way to take the website, literally drop the link into this little portal, and you can build a drag and drop app within a few minutes. Interesting. In the meantime, I'm looking at Fashion Nova and realizing that I am too old to wear all of this stuff. Anyway, <laughs> so you decide to get into e-commerce, you're doing demand generation, eventually you move into influencer marketing. Did you go directly from this agency helping the company that's doing some sort of e-commerce product into influencer marketing? Yeah. So actually, it was funny. So my first job that got me out to California was a marketing agency. And so I was specifically there to work with their business to business clients. So brands that were working and selling to other brands. And so what I was doing was I was finding the right contacts on LinkedIn, finding their emails, maybe finding a few interesting things about these people who work at these different brands, and then basically reaching out to them as a salesperson and seeing if they wanted to do some business. So that was my first job. I was white labeling everything. So I could be working for five companies at a time, doing all of their business development. And so that transitioned into influencer marketing, because I had one client at the time, who loved the process of finding the right people, and then also merging that with the right messaging in order to get a deal done. And so they loved it, except they wanted to work with Instagram and influencers on Instagram. And so I said, Okay, we've got a process down, let's just change the source on where we're finding these contacts, change it from LinkedIn to Instagram, let's change our messaging a little bit, and work with influencers. And so that's exactly what I've been doing at Mute 6 is building out an entire channel where we can find influencers, reach out to them and get them to work with really any brand that we were working with. So talk to me about influencer marketing. What's the daily role like? What's that career path for people that are interested in working in marketing or interested in working in influencer marketing specifically? Give us some guidance on what that's really like. Yeah, I'm for me, influencer marketing is all about strategy. So right now we work with about 15 to 20 brands we run their entire influencer strategy. And so there's no two brands that work similarly. So what gets me most excited about is thinking about how we can use an influencer in different ways. So it, whether it's getting different content, whether it's getting some like using different discount codes, there's so many different 
aspects of influencer marketing. And it's really just the strategy on putting it together. And so if someone is interested in working in the influencer field, or just working with a number of influencers, it's super collaborative. And you just have to think of like, the assets an influencer has. So they're not just Instagram accounts, they have beautiful content, they have a network and following like no other. They have so many assets that you can leverage for yourself or for brands. And as a manager, working with influencers, that's, that's what we have to think about. So as you look back on your exit from college and how you've obviously had some trials and tribulations, you know, what advice do you have for the people that are in college fighting for their degree and some people that are struggling and maybe don't feel like it's specifically for them, knowing that you took a non-traditional path, what advice do you have? The number one piece of advice, especially for college students, is just make sure you're over communicating with professors. So take advantage of the office hours they have, take advantage of their emails, make sure that they know what's going on in your personal life or even professional life. So one, they can help you prepare if there's something in the future that you don't think you'll have enough time to accomplish. Maybe there's not enough hours in the day to study. Just making sure that your professors are aware of what's going on beyond the classroom, just so they can help you. And that's what really brought me forward. I still have great relationships with the number of professors. And I still have mentors who are professors. And so even though you're done with school, they're a great resource. So I think that's great advice. And here's what I admire about your story is that, you know, it's not a traditional path. And you've really been dealt some, you know, potentially crushing blows, the getting removed from the group that you were working on, leaving college and sort of operating without a safety net and then being let go. And you've always found a way to make it work because you are scrappy and creative. And I think that you should be applauded for that. Now, would I recommend to the people that are listening to this show that they should drop out of college and go take a marketing agency job? No, not necessarily. For some people, that's the right paths. There are the Mark Zuckerbergs out there. And if you can go build Facebook, you know, good on you. Go do it. But there are more failures than there are successes with that path. But Sarah, the thing that I think you've done tremendously well is been scrappy and been resourceful and found a way to make it work. So congratulations on your success. And thank you for being a guest on the Finding a Job podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. All right. And that wraps up this episode of the Finding a Job podcast. Thanks to Sarah Gross for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Sarah, you can click on the link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can visit her company's website, which is mutesix.com, M-U-T-E-S-I-X.com. A couple of links in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't stress. We've got you covered. Just head over to fajpod.com, which stands for findingajobpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and the contact information for our guests. If you're a subscriber to the Finding a Job podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We'd love to hear from you. So if you ever have questions about how to apply for a job or topic suggestions for the podcast, send us your questions through our website or you can find us on social media. Our handle is F-A-J-P-O-D, F-A-J-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, pretty much everywhere. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a regular stream of job search tips and strategies, we're going to publish episodes multiple times during the week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed soon. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to keep networking and stay positive.